This is the Law for Community Workers podcast for community and health workers produced by Legal Aid New South Wales. My name is Pauline and I'm from the Community Legal Education Branch here in Legal Aid and we would like to acknowledge that our podcast is recorded on Aboriginal land and pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to any First Nations listeners joining us today. Always was, always will be. Hello everyone, today our guest is Jane from the Financial Rights Legal Service New South Wales. Today, Jane is going to talk to us about debt collection and debt collection agencies, the rights and responsibilities of these agencies, and your rights as a client. Hi, Jane, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pauline. Um, I'm the solicitor at Financial Rights Legal Centre. As I mentioned in the introduction, we are going to talk about debt collection, the agencies, and people's rights and responsibilities when dealing with them. But before we get to that point, Jane, would you please tell us a little bit about the Financial Rights Legal Service and what you provide there? Sure, sure. Uh, so Financial Rights is a community legal centre. We specialise in providing advice in relation to consumer credit, banking, debt recovery and insurance. We operate five advice lines, including the caseworker hotline on 1800 650 and you can call this line to get free advice on any particular issues that you, your clients might be experiencing. So Jane, what's happened for a debt to be referred to an agency for collection? So a debt can be referred to a debt collector for a lot of reasons, which are usually kept private between the debt collector and the creditor. When a debt collector is involved, the debt collector may either be acting on behalf of the creditor to collect the debt, or the debt may have been sold to them. Often when the debt is sold, it's sold at about 70 to 80% of the value, meaning that as possible, you might be able to settle for an amount that is a lot less as opposed to the full debt amount. Are there any limits or guidelines around when you make an offer to close off a debt? Is there any obligation uh, for the debt collection agency to accept an offer? So generally speaking, there's no obligation on them to accept a reduced settlement offer. Practically speaking, if what you're proposing is reasonable, they will very often consider it. It's very dependent on the particular debt collector and the particular circumstances of the person that they're, they're trying to collect the debt from. Okay. And I, I guess also the type of debt. All right, thank you. And how should you respond to a letter from a debt collector? Because they can be quite panic-inducing. Absolutely. So it's really important not to ignore it. If in doubt, just go and get advice. There may be quite a lot you can do to either challenge the debt or negotiate an arrangement early on, but things can become a lot more difficult if you wait and the debt collector obtains judgment against you. In particular, that can lead to additional costs being incurred and those would generally be added to your debt. Initially, it's important to think about whether the debt is one that you think you actually owe. So, okay. for example, I would think about whether you agree that you owe the money and if it is money that you, you think you may owe, whether it has been six years since you last made a payment on the debt. So if it's been more than six years since you last made a payment, this may mean that the debt has been statute barred and the amount of time that the creditor has to collect the debt has passed. So if you, you think that that might apply, call and get legal advice right away. So a little bit of digging. Yeah. So if you, you think that you don't owe the debt, it's really important to just get advice as soon as possible and to not make any payments. You've got the right to ask for contracts and other related documents like statements of account and any notices. If the debt is disputed, so if you're not sure if you owe the debt, 
all collection activity should be suspended until that information has been provided. Okay. So if you, you think that you don't owe the debt, it's really important not to acknowledge the debt in writing or make any payments. Uh, so if you're requesting documents, refer to the debt as the alleged debt. Oh, okay. Right. And we've got some sample letters that you can use on our website at financialrights.org.au. As usual, we will have links to the sample letters in the show notes for people to access. Okay, awesome. If you agree that you owe the debt, then you can negotiate with the debt collector. And uh, just just make sure that any repayment arrangements that you agree to are, are fully sort of documented in writing. So, Jane, what's the first step to take when you do receive a call from a debt collector and what rights do you actually have in this initial contact? Uh, yeah, so that, that's a really good question. Debt collectors can be really, really aggressive. Uh, so generally speaking, it's, it's not acceptable for them to pressure you to pay a large amount upfront, go further into debt to pay out an existing debt, borrow money from family or friends to pay out a debt, or to uh, access your super early in order to pay out the debt. Again, if you think that you don't owe the debt, tell them that and ask them to provide documentation, like the initial credit contract and the notice of assignment, or tell them that you need some time to go get advice. I, I guess the other thing to be aware of, unfortunately, scams are becoming increasingly common. So to be safe, it, it might be a good idea to ask for a number that you can call back on, just so you know that they're calling from where they claim to be calling from. And, and never give out any personal banking information like passcodes or online banking information or anything like that. So what are some basic rules that all debt collection agencies are obligated to comply with? So generally, debt collectors should comply with the ACCC and ASIC uh, debt collection guidelines. This includes a lot of practical guidance and things like how often a, a debt collector can contact you. Can you just talk to us a little bit more about that? So the debt collection guidelines say that a debt collector can only contact you for a reasonable purpose and that the contact should only to be to the extent that it's necessary. Okay. Generally speaking, uh, the contact should happen between Monday to Friday, 7.30 a.m. until 9 p.m. on the weekdays or on the weekends from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. At most, the debt collector should only contact you a maximum of three times per week or 10 times per month. Okay. What counts as a contact can get a bit complicated. For example, an unanswered call where the debt collector does not leave a, a voice message may not amount to contact. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if the debt collector is trying to call you multiple times per day and not leaving any voice messages, then that, that could still count as being inappropriate. Okay. And what about when they contact other people? So the debt collector is allowed to contact third parties to find out where you are. However, they should only do this once every six months. Also, they should respect your privacy when they're doing this. So that means that the, the debt collector should not disclose to the third party that they're trying to contact you in relation to a debt. When you and I first spoke before the podcast, you mentioned that there are different types of debt and so there are actually different guidelines. Can you talk to us a little bit about those differences, please? So there are different obligations depending on the, the type of debt, where the debt was purchased from and who the debt was purchased by. So for example, most calls we receive about debt collectors relate to consumer debt. This includes things like personal credit cards or a personal loan. Mm -hmm. 
for these types of debt, normally the National Consumer Credit Protection Act and the National Credit Code will apply. If the debt was purchased from a bank, it's possible that the, the banking code of practice might apply to the debt. If the debt collector is a member of the Australian Collectors and Debt Buyers Association, the ACDBA code might apply. Okay. Another type of debt that we get a lot of calls about is in relation to insurers pursuing people that have been involved in a, a motor vehicle accident. In that case, the insurer might have obligations under the General Insurance Code of Practice. We also get a lot of calls about phone debts. In this case, you might have rights uh, under the Telecommunications Consumer Protections Code. And different rights and obligations also imply in relation to debts with electricity or water providers. And depending on your circumstances in relation to those, you might be able to obtain an energy accounts payment assistance voucher. Oh, yeah, the EPAs. The EPAs, yeah. We will actually put a link in the show notes where you can access your nearest EPA provider for listeners. Thanks for that, Jane. So what can collection agencies actually do by way of enforcement? Uh, so depending on the type of debt, the debt collector might be able to list a, a default on your credit file. The debt collector might also send you a, a default notice and that they might also send you a, a statement of claim. If you get either a, a default notice or a statement of claim, it's really, really important that you don't ignore it. Go and get legal advice urgently. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New South Wales, after 28 days, if you're being served with a, a statement of claim, the debt collector may be able to obtain default judgment against you and the the debt collector then has 12 years to enforce the judgment debt and this can be extended by the court. Uh, So there are a number of ways that the debt collector can enforce the judgment debt including seeking to garnish your wages or your bank account or by issuing a reposition of your goods and if the debt is more than $10,000 they might be able to uh, seek to bankrupt you. Oh okay. So it's really important that if you find out that someone has obtained judgment against you, you, you get legal advice urgently. A statement of claim is another pretty intimidating document. You know, they can come with some um, court dates and things like that. Can you just talk to us about what a statement of claim actually is? It wouldn't normally uh, include a court date. Generally, what it would say is something to the effect of you have 28 days to lodge a defence in relation to this matter. So uh, if you get one of those, get advice right away. Again, depending on the type of debt it is, you might have quite a few options. So if it's, let's say, a personal credit card or a personal loan, you'll most likely have the option of lodging a complaint in the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, and that will stop all enforcement action. So the uh, creditor won't be able to file for default judgment against you and the the really big advantage of going to AFCA over filing a defense is that AFCA is a free process for consumers so you're not running the risk that if you're unsuccessful in AFCA you're going to be adding to the creditor's legal costs although the creditor can keep charging interest and fees while you're in AFCA. So Jane you you spoke about complaining to AFCA can you just talk a little bit more about that service and process? So the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, uh, AFCA. You can find out if the debt collector is a member of AFCA by going to AFCA's website at uh, afca.org.au. 
So AFCA is a, a free service to consumers. It can look at complaints against financial firms that are its members, including a complaint that you do not owe the debt and a complaint about the debt collector's refusal to enter into a payment arrangement with you. Normally, once you've lodged in AFCA, the financial firm must stop all enforcement action against you. And uh, AFCA has the, the power to make decisions that are binding on its members. I guess it's important to be aware that there are limits on what AFCA can do. For example, AFCA cannot overturn a decision that's been made by a court. So if you get a default notice or a statement of claim, it's really, really important that you get advice ASAP and see if lodging a dispute in AFCA is an option for you. So, Jane, are there other avenues for consumers about complaints or, or issues arising? Yeah, I guess if the debt collector is not a member of AFCA and it's not the type of debt that AFCA can deal with, then there are some other dispute resolution schemes that might apply. Okay. So if the debt relates to water or energy, you can lodge a complaint with the Energy and Water Ombudsman of New South Wales against the original company where you obtained the service. If the debt relates to a telecommunications debt, then you can lodge the complaint with the telecommunications ombudsman against the original company where you obtained the service. So let's say that you're, you've, you've spoken with the, uh, the debt collection agency and you're actually ready to start negotiating repayments. What is the best way to go about doing that, Jane? Well, the, the debt collection guidelines say that debt collectors should work with debtors to adopt a, a flexible and realistic approach to repayment arrangements. So this includes making reasonable allowances for your ongoing living expenses, considering if you have a fixed low income, recognising that you, you might be struggling with a number of debts, and ensuring that payments are, are meaningful and sustainable. So Look, if, if you're struggling to negotiate with the, the debt purchaser, uh, you, you may want to speak to a financial counsellor so that the financial counsellor can help you negotiate an arrangement. And depending on your circumstances, the financial counsellor may even be able to negotiate a, a freeze on interest or a complete debt waiver. And financial counsellors are, are a free service. So they, they generally work for charities and they're, they're completely free. You can actually find a link on the Financial Rights Legal Centre website to locate the financial counsellors in your area. And obviously the link to the website will be in our show notes. So Jane, you've actually brought along a case study to tell us about with an example of advocacy from your service. Can you just let us know about that? Sure. So George was 70 years old and he was receiving an age pension. About 25 years ago, when he was still working, he obtained a credit card uh, from one of the big banks with a $30,000 limit. George stopped working about 10 years ago. After that, he struggled to keep up with the repayments. About nine years ago, the big bank sold the debt to a debt collector. George entered into a payment arrangement with the debt collector for $20 per month. This was not actually enough to cover the interest on the debt. After making payments for about nine years, George was shocked to discover that the debt had actually increased. So the debt collector in this case was bound by the ACDBA code or the Abracadabra code, if you prefer. Uh, this says that debt collectors should not knowingly enter into payment arrangements with consumers for an indefinite period that 
do not reduce the debt. So financial rights contacted the debt collector about this and the debt collector agreed that the payment arrangement was inappropriate because it was not making any reduction in the debt. And the debt collector agreed to waive the remainder of George's debt. That's amazing after paying something for nine years. Is this an example of something that you come across commonly or or frequently? Uh, We've come across a few examples of this. So I, I guess it's it's something to be aware of. Mm. So under the debt collection guidelines, uh, if the debt collector is entering into a, a payment arrangement with you, they should be providing you with something in writing regarding the, the terms of the payment arrangement. So I, I guess as part of that, it's sort of important to sort of be aware of whether or not they're going to be charging interest on an ongoing basis or whether or they're going to be freezing interest whether the the payment arrangement is for a certain period of time, what what happens when the payment arrangement expires, all all of that type of information is sort of important to be aware of. Okay, so we're almost at the end of our time together. So one last question, Jane, what is the most important thing for people to remember about debt issues? I think the most important thing is to not hesitate to to reach out for help. So free help and advice is available. You you don't have to handle things by yourself. Just don't hesitate. I I guess the other thing to be aware of is that there are a number of paid debt negotiators out there. A lot of the services they offer people, you can get through a financial counsellor or a community legal centre for free. And we've come across some cases in which they've, they've actually made the person's situation a lot worse. So don't hesitate to get free help, I guess is what I'm saying. So thank you so much for joining us, Jane, and for the financial rights legal service information you've shared with us today. It has been absolutely wonderful and incredibly helpful. My pleasure. You know, not to, to drive home the point too much, but yeah, don't hesitate to get help. There are, there are a lot of things that you might be able to do and there are a lot of resources that are available to people. Just a reminder for everyone, caseworkers can call the Financial Rights Legal Service on 1800 650 084. So if you do have any questions or queries or you've got a client that you think might need the assistance of the FRLS, then please don't hesitate to ring them. As always, you will find links to all the websites, pages and resources mentioned in this episode, as well as a full transcript listed in our show notes. Or you can email us to cle at legalaid.nsw.gov.au. This has been Law for Community Workers. Thank you for listening and goodbye, everyone.